Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. <sighs> hey, listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain. Oh, we're trying to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Same. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watch the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertain. <laughs> this month is... Wow! Oh, Maze, why do you say that? Supercharge it <laughs> so that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. In 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it, give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. <laughs> From our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, writing. How do you scale the mountain of writing a novel? How do you climb the hill of composing a short story? How do you even trudge up the small knoll of writing a decent introduction? Well, the one and only Garrison Keeler is on the phone to talk about the craft of writing. Who needs the Iowa Writers Workshop when we've got the Minnesota Master? I'm Adam Felber, the man who tries to make sure our conversational rising structure is followed by a climax and topical resolution. And now, please welcome this show's most unreliable narrator, Paula Poundstone! <laughs> welcome, Paula. Thank you. For, I feel like I've trudged up a mountain already just with all of us trying to figure out how to record this show not in a studio. It, this has been, been a nightmare. Uh, a oh nightmare. Oh, God. Adam stays up nights reading about the virus, which is, of course, not all that helpful. I mean, I don't know much about the virus. What I know, what I've heard, yes. is that it can be fun and you can keep it as a pet. That's what I've heard. <laughs> See, that's not true. I'm going to be on Trump's team. Um, no, so anyways, trying to trying to figure out how to record this. So we did, at one point we, had, we started recording, then we had to stop because it, it, we couldn't hear each other. And it turns out that Bonnie was, Captain Crinkle, my manager, uh, was right. in her car, like at the yes. edge of a ravine, <laughs> I think. Right. And she, she Captain Crinkle had her dogs uh, crackle and snap with her. Oh my heavens! It was crazy, and and I guess I guess the thing is is that Captain Crinkle doesn't get a good um, cell phone signal from her house, 
which is not no, necessarily she, reason to leave the house, but she did. No, because she lives on the ranch from Giant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a few years ago, everything seemed to be going fine. She lived in Bel Air. We were working together. Everything seemed fine. Uh-huh. And then, I don't know, she got a, a fever one day, and this is pre-virus. And she said, I'm I'm moving out to be with horses. And uh, <laughs> right. ever since then, uh, every time I try to talk to her, she just keeps shouting, little Joe, little Joe, into the phone. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You would yeah. think that with the, um, what's the word? Like with, with the stay at home thing that, um, yeah. th- that I would, that I, no, it's actually, you know what? That's the incorrect term. Shelter in place, although people do keep using it, that's sadly what our children are taught uh, for an active shooter in their school. Like, could we be talking about worse things? No. All we're on is stay at home. It's that simple. Stay at home. Except for, you know, emergencies or walking dog. But it's not lockdown. No one here, no one in California anyways, is on a lockdown. We're on Well, my son is. Your son is on a lockdown? Well, that's... Well, you know, he be- did he did some things he shouldn't have done. Yeah, okay, that was a behavior problem. That's different. That's absolutely okay. different. Um, well, you know, the irony is here we are in this, like, you know, stay-at-home thing, and we're trying really hard, and so many people are telling me that they're bored. I have been... I wouldn't call it bored. First of all, I've been working really hard making little films that I can put up on, uh, you know, Facebook and the internet and the whatever. And those are very funny films. Oh, thank you. That's nice to hear. They're a tremendous like amount them. of work. And I would like to thank my daughter, Alison Poundstone, for being my, my director, my makeup consultant, et cetera, et cetera. She's done a great job. But, 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 um, but Paula, before we do the documentary about your filmmaking process, I do want to yes. take a moment to thank tonight's house band, Dennis oh, yes. Lichtman on the Dixieland clarinet playing from his home in New York City. Oh, Whoa. thank you, Dennis. We now are on a new... Um, venture of having nobody's record the uh the house band remotely thank you nobody's and thank you dennis who volunteered to do this but you know they all volunteer just so that the nobodies know no one's getting paid here our musicians come and be our house band because they enjoy it but adam was convinced (laughs) that now that they're staying at home that no one would want to record music for our show what he says is a lot of musicians quit music because of having done our show he's very negative that's (laughs) that is that is a vile calumny what i said and i will stand by it is that we didn't want to call individual musicians and ask them to do it because they wouldn't be with us. They wouldn't be able to hear the show. And I and I thought it was a big ask. But volunteers, I think it's wonderful and they're welcome. And I'm not that surprised that they're doing it. But Tony, well, I need a help. Back me up on this. Are you with us? I, I, I do back Adam Felber up on this. All right. I well, do. you're both... You're both completely wrong. But more importantly, <laughs> more importantly, thank you, Dennis. Well, I can hardly believe Tony and Neil Holwood signed with Adam Felber instead of accepting the truth that Miss Powell yes. was speaking. Tony, Tony it's, and Neil Holwood. In, it's insane that the two people who actually talked to our house fans beforehand would have the same opinion. <laughs> no, no, you know nothing. You know nothing of the kind hearts of musicians, Adam Felber. You know, well, if it uh, isn't our favorite hand puppet, 
um, in a set, ruby sateen dress. It's Mrs. Culpepper. How is it's your Mrs. Culpepper. Yes, certainly it is. Uh, you know, Adam uh, uh, Felba, I'm wearing my ruby sateen dress right now. You know, it's very uncomfortable. Is being in Paula Poundstone's house. Uh, you know, oh. she has all those cats. And uh, uh, one of them, I was petting uh, uh, her cat, Theo, I think it was. Uh, and he purred for a moment. He was loving it. And then uh, he bit me. And, oh, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. But uh, uh, Mrs. Culpepper, let me just ask you, because I'm sure all our listeners are concerned. During this, uh, this semi-quarantine, um, how are you and the captain holding up in your house? Uh, well, in fact, uh, it is not uh, me and the captain, uh, Mr. Felber. Uh, the, the captain uh, has, the captain passed he, away. Oh, many, oh, many, oh, he must have been deployed. He must have been deployed given this emergency. No, no, that is not correct, Adam Felber. That's like your music theory. No, that is not correct. Uh, okay. No, uh, m- uh, no Captain Cole Pepper passed away many, many years ago. Oh, oh, that's right. I am so sorry for bringing that up, particularly in these well, trying times. That is dark times to be remembering such a sad episode. <laughs> uh, uh, I will just tell you one thing, uh, which is that to. he died, uh, Adam, not from the virus. Uh, please fear not. Uh, he died many, many years ago from uh, tyrotoxism. Uh, it's poisoning by dairy or cheese, and and it's a gruesome way to pass. So uh, let's just let sleeping dogs lie and move on with our. We don't need to know exactly how he died. It was not a sleeping dog, Adam Felber. That that it okay. was the, it was this. It was the cheese, and in fact, it was a particular kind of cheese. Uh, people needn't fear all cheeses. Uh, okay. Uh, well, the less the less said, the better. I think. Uh, well, now that you've brought it up, though, it weighs heavy on me. I- I'd like to share. Uh, <laughs> no, you don't have to. Uh, it was the Gouda that got him, Adam Thelma. <laughs> All right. All right. Adam, so is anybody else having this problem? Sorry, I was shouting. Um, is anybody else having this problem? Which is, I feel myself, because the days of the week don't have the same structure to them that they had before. I have no yes. idea what day it is. And I feel a lot of times like I don't really know what I'm doing. Like I, I made some spaghetti the other night. And I, I went to sprinkle Parmesan on it. And all of a sudden, right. I was like, oh, this is bleach. And yeah. I, I was taking the trash out and I, I realized it was my laundry. And just stuff like that <laughs> okay. keeps happening. Now that sounds that's a little bit more concerning than just not knowing the day of the week because honestly, Paula, on a whether it be a weekend or a weekday, you don't want to be sprinkling bleach on your pasta. Well, not now. It's valuable. The other thing is, you know, I just <laughs> I think you know. Well, it could be that I'm keeping myself so busy. Uh, for right. example. We've, it's not just making the films. I also have like so many people have chosen to do, and I think it is a very good idea, which is to learn a skill uh, in their home. A- and so what I've been doing is using this time to develop a skill. I'm learning to be a tightrope walker. Wow, I would have gone with, I would have gone with becoming a listener. But okay, tightrope walking is another choice. Yeah, well. Before we were wait, asked- wait, 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 hold on a second. Wait a second. That that sounds like an extraordinarily dangerous hobby to take up when you're in an environment where there's nobody to spot you. 
Well, the uh, Wendell rigged a wire about four feet off, well, maybe five feet off the floor across my bedroom. Uh, Dear Lord, this bed- sounds like a terrible My bedroom idea. slash office. Uh, right. Uh, let me, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so inspired uh, by Nick Walenda, uh, right. uh, who is a seventh generation uh, flying Walenda. Um, let me well, just that get- we know of. Yeah, no, he's seventh generation. Yeah, but but, but gen- who knows that it could it could be eighth or ninth. You know, we might have just lost the record. No, he was seventh generation. The the generations were shorter in the flying Walendas. Now uh. let me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Are you really going to get up on a tightrope? Yes, I am. I am going to get up I su- on... I suspect this is a terrible idea. No, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Okay. Ah, fuck. Oh. Uh, okay. Let me All try right. again. Are you up? Okay. <laughs> All right. I, I was. Did you hear that sound? That was me. Yeah, that falling. little thumping sound. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let me try again. Okay. okay. Good luck, Paula. Right. Is this okay. your first attempt ever? No, no, I've been working at this. Okay. God damn it! Uh, Ow. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Now, oh Paula, on a God. on a on a recent episode, we did establish that you have very brittle bones. In fact, I do have. You've got brittle bones. You've got you know cabinets what? full of medicine for that at this point. I just landed on my head, and um, <laughs> that is particularly strong. All right, I'm going to try again. No, no, right, wait a ready? minute. Uh, this landing on the head thing, I think that this might be a clue as to why you're, you know, <laughs> bleaching your pasta. Oh, why I have the confusion, maybe. All right, let me just try yeah. one more time. Okay, here we okay. go. Okay, good luck. Good luck, Paula. Ladies and gentlemen, <sighs> on the tightrope, it's Paula Poundstone. All right. I will now okay. tell you uh, 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 about Nick Walenda. He walked across a three-quarter inch wire. Careful, careful. 25, don't look down, 25 stories above Times Square. Did you, whoa. 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 Okay, I'm on the platform. I made it. Okay, now I'm going to turn. Now I'm going to turn. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now I gotta come the other direction. No. Uh, yeah. Come on. Come on. No. 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 Uh, Nick Walenda also. Easy, girl. Easy, Paula. On a tight rope across. We need you, Paula. Come on. The Grand Canyon and across Niagara. Fuck. Oh. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, wait. Let me just let me just that, try either one. That, either that, either that was another fall, or you were talking about the famous Niagara fuck. No, I no, I fell. Okay, okay. I think I am gonna have one hell of a bruise. Okay, wait. Let me just yeah. try one more time. Here we go. Really? Okay, ready? Really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Most recently, Nick Walenda walked uh-huh. across an active yeah. volcano. I remember and this. As he reached the end, he shouted, yeah. There is light at the end, at the end of okay. yes. the tunnel. There Steady. is hope for 
the yeah. hopeless. Ta-da! Yeah. Is that Woo! nicely done, Paula? Is oh that really what God. he yelled? Yeah. I just I thought it was an impressive feat. It is. Yeah. I'm against you tightrope walking in your own home. I, I think it's dangerous. But, you know, while we're talking about our own home. It's not homes, that far. It's five feet. And so far, I mean, I've taken some falls, but I've been able to jump up and keep going. And I, I'm hoping that's inspiring um, to people who are learning to knit or a language. Yeah, I'm sure that it is. While we're talking about our own homes, though, uh, we are all recording from our own homes. Um, Bonnie Burns, we know that you're on that compound with the horse god. Uh, and um, Tony, Tony Nidahal, where are you? I'm just sitting at my desk in my in my kitchen area in my studio apartment. Okay. Well, Tony, Tony Nidahal, I didn't realize you had a studio apartment. I do. <laughs> so, so you have a kitchen area. And and what do you sleep in? An, do you sleep in an alcove? <laughs> <laughs> now, Tony would be polite to answer Mrs. Culpepper in this. Unfortunately, I do do not have an alcove. I sleep in. I sleep. So you have in a nook. My, I have a nook. a nook. It's more of a it's more of a nook. A nook more than an alcove. It's a nook, a nook. Mrs. Culpepper. A nook. I see. I see. Listen. At least you're not sleeping in a divot. <laughs> yeah. Or a ditch. Or a ditch. That is correct. That is. Oh, oh my gosh. You know what? I am so. That that high wire stuff is hard. And not just yeah. the falling. But you, you know, you really have to engage your core. And I'm not that close to my core. Um, <laughs> right. It does sound difficult. Now, you guys, I Paula. So this is so important that I announce this yes. at this time, which is yes. uh, I know a lot of people thought that we would put this off because of the crisis, but absolutely not. I like to think of myself as the unsinkable Polly Pound. We are still having the hundredth caller contest. <laughs> listeners. Right. We are so No, we're keep we're those, calling that off, in fact. No, we're not. So keep those calls coming. No, no, coming. we postponed it because of the quarantine. It, no, it makes no difference we're, whatsoever. We're postponing Adam, the contest, this, I'm told. No, we're giving listeners hope. Our hundredth caller will receive any appliance from Roger Federer's appliance store over on uh, Miranda store. Street. It and, isn't. And also a chance to hang out with Adam after the game. So I there know- There are no more games. There will be games, Adam. There will be games. Oh. There's a little temporary stay on the games, but Jesus, there's going to be so many games. It's going to be annoying. God help us. This is the first time I've wished for sports not to return. Um, Paula, do you have a word for us this week? You know, I do have a word. It's a lacuna. Lacuna? It's, yes. It's a noun that means gap or missing portion. Um, it's... It's often used uh, referring to like a manuscript or an inscription or a musical work. Yes. Uh, so this week's word was suggested by nobody, Craig Robbins. And I want to thank you, Craig. Uh, all right, here. I'm going to use lacuna in a uh -huh. sentence. Um, here it is. Here it is. I, I can't look up words beginning with the letter A followed by any letter up to R because of the lacuna in my dictionary. 
Oh, that's right. I've told you that before. I carried my dictionary in my carry-on bag for so many years, I wore off the first few pages. Yeah. Yeah. So. In fact, if this show goes on much longer, I, I suggest you top load with A and B words. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Because you're, you're not going to have that much longer. Yeah. Exactly. Just to get them in there. Well, anyways, right, here so we go. Adam. I, now that we're done with the uh, vocabulary word, I guess we can move to the end of this uh, particular segment. No, Adam, you're forgetting something. Adam, what you're forgetting could I possibly, something. What am I forgetting? You're forgetting one of your favorite things, the vocabulary song. Oh, wow. Tony. Everybody. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Here we go. All right. Uh, as you know, Adam, each week I add a word to my vocabulary song, which has been heralded as a teaching tool across our nation. A lot of right. the homeschooling that's going on right now, they have turned yeah. to my vocabulary song. And I'm so proud. Uh, so here yes. we go. Here we go. Um, this uh, takes me a minute. Oh, wait. I think this you're on the wrong note to word. start. Okay. Is it that? There we go. That's it. This week's word is lacuna. It's a noun that means gap or missing portion. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, but I do, I do, I do. Yeah! Oh my gosh! <laughs> I see what you did there. There's a lacuna in my vocabulary song. <laughs> Thank the Lord. <laughs> Oh, All right, damn everybody. It. You have to well, be so careful. You win some, you lose some. Well, coming up, Mark Twain wrote, substitute damn every time you're inclined to write very, your editor will delete it, and the writing will be just as it should be. Writing advice from another American master, Garrison Keeler, is coming up when we return on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions plus enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, 
How will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix sleep quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, You know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Nostradamus said, Boy, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) Thank you, house band Dennis Lichtman. You know, Adam, I am on track to finish my next book. I figure five more years and I should be putting the last period on there. Five years? Yeah, you know what? The first book I wrote took me nine years, and the next one took seven years. So you can see where mathematically I've arrived. Yeah, it seems like you're on a on a decent progression. But uh, you know, for my money, most books should take less than five years. Yeah. Well, how much money do you have? Uh, Not a lot. So if, uh, if you're willing you're to, have to pay find me. a different publisher. No, 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 no. <laughs> but you know, my first book took me uh, several years to write. No, you know what? The truth is. It's a big struggle for me. I, I'm trying to write a novel, and I don't, I don't know how. Oh, that's a problem. Are you well? For one, as opposed to your conversational style, I would encourage you letting your characters get a word in. Oh, too much narration, not <laughs> enough dialogue on the part of the characters. That's a, that's a Maybe. good point. If you find yourself interrupting your own narration, then you're probably not doing it right. But you know what, Paula? We have one of America's great writers here to help you. Garrison Keillor did a prairie home companion for 40 years, wrote fiction and comedy, and invented a town called Lake Wobegon, which became part of the American vocabulary. He's busy in retirement right now, having written a memoir and a book of limericks, and is at work on a musical and a Lake Wobegon screenplay, and he continues to do the writer's almanac sent out daily to internet subscribers for free. Please welcome Garrison Keillor. Garrison, thank you for joining us. I feel really welcome. Pull up one of your chairs, Garrison. I'm pulled up as close as I can decently be. (laughs) Well, 
Well, Garrison, let me start with a basic question. How do you go about writing your novels? I often start with a shiny new folder, but I haven't completed a novel yet. So this leads me to believe that that might not be the right approach. It's not. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) So what should she do? Change your protagonist. Don't make the protagonist be somebody like Paula Poundstone. Oh, Oh. try a male protagonist, an aging white male protagonist. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you're supposed to write what you know. No, 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 no. Where did you ever hear that? (laughs) You're supposed to write what Garrison knows. (laughs) I heard it on Throw Mama from the Train. All right, Garrison, let me ask you this. Do you use an outline? Of course not. What? (laughs) What do you do? That was my first point. Okay. Second point. Why would I use an outline? So that that you know where the story's going, so that it's well organized from the start. Organization is not what the American people are looking for in a work of fiction. They have enough of that in their real lives. You're writing fiction for office workers. You need to give them adventure and stories that take enormous leaps into the dark. All right. Okay, let me ask you this, Garrison. When you're writing a novel, do you act out scenes like the way Adam Sorkin does? That's crazy. Who does that? Sorkin does that? Yeah, that's what I heard. The guy who wrote West Wing? Yeah, one time he was he was in front of a mirror acting out a scene and he bonked his head on the mirror and got a black eye. That's lunacy. That's I lunacy, agree. Paula. <laughs> Don't do that. You can hold a mirror and look over look over your right shoulder with a mirror <laughs> and and that'll be much better. Yeah, I don't think he was using a handheld mirror. Um, But the question remains the same. Do you already know what's going to happen in the story when you start to write it? Of course not. So you just, you feel free to jump in here anytime with what you do. (laughs) You're confused by short, punchy answers, aren't you? I think I am. I feel like I'm asking my son what he wants for dinner. Do you want spaghetti? No, I don't want spaghetti. Hamburgers. No. Okay, Garrison, what does your desk look like? What does it look like? Yeah, I mean, the surface, the surface of the desk. Is it covered in stuff? Do you have little pieces of paper with ideas? No, the ideas I put onto the computer which is sitting on my desk. There's no reason to put them on paper. I see. I have have an iPhone. I have a pair of glasses. I have a lamp, which is not turned on. And, uh, oh my gosh, there are two pieces of paper here. Uh, Oh, that's nothing you need to know. Um, (laughs) What is it, a prescription? Was it a prescription? Go ahead, just say it. I have a list of phrases. I say, um, I write for money. <laughs> I am not shrewd. I don't know. They're just uh, some ideas for uh, actually for a memoir. 
that I'm working on, which, you know, is partly fiction. Nice. Now, okay, I just want to say, um, I'm a, I'm the son of a novelist. My mom my mom wrote um, 30 novels in her life. And what she did is she kept a very rigorous schedule. She'd start writing usually around 9.30 or 10 a.m. and write in, at least until 4 every day. Is that the, Do you follow a schedule like that? Yes, that's a great idea. But my idea is that you wake up in the dark. You wake up before the sun comes up and you have ideas in your head and you go straight to your computer and you, and you put them down as best you can. You have amazing ideas when you emerge from sleep and it's the most productive time of the day. Nothing good is written after two o'clock in the afternoon. Huh. Interesting. Paula, when do you write? When I can. <laughs> well, that doesn't answer any questions. You know, just when I can. I, I don't have a strict schedule. Perhaps that's part of my problem. Um, that is your problem. That's it? Get All right. one. Okay. I'm going to get one. Okay. Well, you know, now during the crisis, I... You know, I am keeping myself to a regimen of tasks, but they're not. The only thing I do like at the exact same time every day is feed the cats, because if I don't, they'll eat me. Um, so, all right. <laughs> so our friend Ken, our mutual friend, Ken Lezebnik, told me a story that one day when he was with you, like in your apartment or something, like, and Ken was saying something to you. And then you began writing and you said to Ken, oh, that's okay. Keep talking. I'm hearing everything you're saying. I can do two things at once. Do you? Yeah, he, he, uh, he, he was uttering a line of dialogue that I wanted to use. And, and you take notes from real life. It's how, you, it's how any writer would, would work. You steal with both hands from the people who are around you at any particular, any particular time? I, I I do it, I do it constantly. Oh, so you were transcribing Ken? Oh, sure. Ken is everywhere. In all of the novels that I've ever written, Ken is Ken is here. He's there. He's he's. He, I disguise him as best uh, as best I can. <laughs> from your, your very successful series, the Ken Lezebnik stories? They're all Ken Lezebnik stories. He's <laughs> Jewish, but I made him Lutheran, and, uh, and, and it works. <laughs> so the novel that I'm writing, which is, it's about a mother and a son who's, um, so it should be about a white man and his son? And the sun should be Ken. Am I? And am I getting what you've taught me correctly? I think they both should be Ken. No, I've got Ken already. I own Ken. Oh. And, uh, so, so you'll have to come up with your own white male protagonist. Why not? We all contain multitudes. I'm quoting Walt Whitman. <laughs> Virginia Woolf said, writing is like sex. First you do it for love, then you do it for your friends. And then you do it for money. Stay tuned for more real-world advice about writing from Garrison Keillor.
The Cat of the Week is May Midwest from Ames, Iowa. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There, there's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly like right as i got them up to my waist i i, I think my eyes closed they're so it's a softness it's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that, too. Like, so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. <laughs> Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. You can get washable silk tops. You can get 14-karat uh, gold jewelry and, like, all these accessories. When sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. We're back with Garrison Keeler, Paula Poundstone. And Adam Felber. Um, hey, Garrison, now you've worked with 
legendary editors at the New Yorker. What's the best way to work with an editor? You have to be polite. You have to accept that they are older than you, some of them much, much older. But you just can't let them fiddle with your work. So you uh, use passive resistance. And, um, and, you, and you have to hold out for your jokes. Now, of course, I'm talking about writing, uh, writing humor, what the New Yorker used to call casuals. I'm not talking about serious uh, fiction. I don't believe in serious fiction. I believe in uh, giving people a good time. And that's why my job here, Paula, is to discourage you from writing a novel. <laughs> the world does not need another second-rate novelist. Second-rate is darn good, but the world doesn't need another second-rate novelist. What you do is something nobody else can do, and that's what the world needs. You can go out all by yourself on a stage with one microphone in front of anywhere from 500 to 1,000, 2,000 people, no more than that, and you can <laughs> make them all feel warm and relaxed. You become their best friend in the first five minutes. You seem so vulnerable on stage, and yet at the same time, you're so funny. Nobody else does that. So it's my moral duty as a Christian <laughs> to turn you back to doing what you do so well. Well, that's, oh, that's very amazing. kind of you, Garrison. But you know what you also have to keep in mind is you've never seen me bust tables. I'm I'm the best table busser that ever lived. But Yeah. I and then and then I went on and did this other job. Now, what if it turns out I mean you're the second rate novelist idea and I hear you but but what if it turns out that I'm a what's the word? You know, that with a little spit and polish, I really have something. You'll have a second rate novel. Oh boy. Is this is that what you want? Paula, if I'm hearing Garrison correctly, no. the advice he's giving you is to stop. Yes. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> well, that's one way of looking at it. Uh, Garrison, what if... What if when Dickens was... What was he? Court reporting or whatever he was doing... What if he suggested to a friend that he wanted to be a novelist and the friend went, look, what you do in the court is so fantastic. Oh. Charles Dickens never asked anybody for advice how to write a novel. He set out to write about his own impoverished origins. You lack those impoverished origins. Oh. So you have come to this in your middle age for other reasons than to make money, which is the best reason for writing a novel. You, you simply want to broaden 
your resume. And I understand that. But, but you owe it to the world at this difficult, troubled time in our history to get back on the road, go back to Omaha, go back to Des Moines, go back to places where people love and understand you. Well, the truth is, I love my job. It's not that I wanted another job. I just have a particular story to tell. Um, I, I didn't want to broaden my resume. My resume is pretty broad, Garrison. I was a table busser. I used to work in a bookstore. And I've been a stand-up comic for 41 years. And you want to add novelist to that? <laughs> <laughs> well, not anymore, I guess. What you want, Paula, what you want is you want the New York Times to review your book. The New York Times does not go out on the road to, to, to write reviews of, of comics working in, in normal venues. You have, to, you have to work the Beacon Theater to get reviewed in the Times. But it's not a good enough reason. It just isn't good enough. If I can uh, back Garrison up here, I um, I wrote a novel, which any of you can buy uh, on Amazon or anything. It's called Schrodinger's Ball. And I was reviewed in the New York Times and the New York Times Review of Books, and positively, I might add. And it added no value to my life, nor, <laughs> nor to the sales of the book. So I'm firmly in the camp of let's stop writing. You know what? Adam, I was reviewed in the New York Times, and I've memorized the review. It's in my head. It's permanently in my head. And every morning when I get up, I recite it to myself. They reviewed a novel of mine, and they said, it's a tough-minded book full of wistfulness and futility, Ugh. yet somehow spankled with hope. Oh. And I look at, I think of that, I think of that review and I think I'm never going to be able to, to, to be tough minded and wistful and futile <laughs> and spangled with hope at the same time. How am I going to do that? No, my, my review is better than my book too. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. I was reviewed once in Dallas. I was reviewed once working in Dallas, not writing, working in Dallas. This is many, many years ago in a club. And they said that I look like I spent the night in a ditch and that I was <laughs> and that I was <laughs> and that I was similar to a comedic nun. A comedic nun. It's a cruel town, Dallas. <laughs> Stay away. All right, wait. I have to ask you something else. Um uh, you know, I, I I really enjoyed reading your memoir, uh, so much of which is in limerick form. And, uh, and near as I could tell, almost every situation you were in, you you wrote uh, you wrote a limerick about it. Am I right about that? Almost. Okay. All right. And this is a little self-centered, and I accept that. But are you going to write a limerick about our time together here? podcast. I appeared once on a podcast, although I had never been asked. Mm. I was with 
Miss Poundstone and felt almost alone. <laughs> and somehow it was a blast. I don't know. Maybe I'll try. Yeah, there you go. That's a, that's a valid limerick. We'll take it. Ah, oh, man. Valid is not good enough for a limerick. <laughs> <laughs> I've written great limericks. There was an old man of Nantucket who died. He just kicked the bucket. And when he was dead, they found that instead of Nantucket, he came from Woonsocket. <laughs> wow. That's the first relatively clean Nantucket limerick I've ever heard. Well, I set out to, you know, do something <laughs> new. It's remarkable. <laughs> you can't help thinking of limericks when you go to Nantucket. Um, <laughs> Stephen King says a little talent is a good thing to have if you want to be a writer, but the only real requirement is the ability to remember every scar. How important is memory to you as a writer? Not important at all. Steve is completely wrong, and when I see him on Tuesday, I'm going to tell him that to his face. <laughs> uh, good. What, he's right about talent. You don't need talent at all. You need persistence. You need to uh, you need to keep going, and uh, and to rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. Your first draft is just a stab in the dark, and with your second draft, you try to you try to show some confidence, and then you know the fourth, the fifth, the tenth, the fifteenth, you're starting to get close to it. That's that's what it that's what it takes. So persistence, then, would you say that persistence would be like, even if a really terrific writer tells you to give up and that the world doesn't need another second-rate novelist, you still write it anyway? Is that what you're saying? That's, that's not up to me. That's up to, <laughs> that's up to that person. But, uh, but uh, I think there's not nearly enough discouragement in, in, in the arts, in all of the arts. There are young people who are wasting their young lives away yeah. who are trying to write poetry that nobody is going to read except their close relatives and the relatives, it'll mean nothing to them. This is a, this is a dreadful thing. In sports, if you go out for football, they're not going to let you stumble around on the field for three, four, six, eight, ten years because we care about football. Uh, but people stagger through the dark in, as writers for, for decades, and I feel terrible for them. <laughs> oh, these words of encouragement. Garrison, I, I have something that I haven't shared with you which is that the N the NFL has taken a look at me. Yes. <laughs> you know, before I let too much time pass, I thank you very much for your kind words about what you think I can do. You do it so well. I've seen you do it. And, and I've sat in the dark and I have marveled at the ability to create intimacy with a large number of people. They love you. This is not a common thing 
in the field of stand-up comedy, which tends to be rat-a-tat-tat, machine gun, uh, people working from scripts, hit the mark, hit the mark, hit the mark. And people can tell. People can tell the difference between that and what you do. What you do is something nobody else does. Yeah. Well, that's very nice to hear. Thank you. Paula, don't quit your night job. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, Garrison Keillor, thank you so much for rewriting our understanding of writing fiction and who should do it and who shouldn't. Now we're going to take that information and run it through the old Pounstonator. Paula? Uh, Okay, house band Dennis Lichtman, if you could give me a little something behind this, I appreciate it. Thank you. Let me begin by apologizing to you, Garrison, that our our phone connection is so awful. The truth is, nobody's. we are scrambling to figure out what's the best way to record our show for you under the stay-at-home order, and it is challenging. So the whole time Garrison, who's in Minnesota, and Adam and I were talking, we could barely hear one another because we're connected via internet, and it's so overloaded. Our engineer, Land, assured us that when we tested our setup before we began, that he would cut in if there was a problem with what the tape is recording, but he hasn't. And yet, there were times during our conversation when I knew Garrison was talking, but I wasn't quite sure what he was saying. So, uh, Garrison, I did hear your kind words about my work as a comic, and I am so flattered and touched. Thank you. I I hope I understood the rest uh, as well. I'm fairly certain that I heard you say that I was one hell of a table busser and that that is often a precursor to finding one's voice as a novelist, which you hope I will. I, I know you said something like, yes, you're a gifted table busser, Paula, but William Shatner still sang. He repeated uh, the importance of an outline of some sort so many times he practically banged me over the head with it. Uh, the line was really scratchy and lots of words dropped out entirely but near as I could tell Garrison has asked if he could be my mentor for writing to kind of guide me through the process he says that rewriting and lots of rewriting is key but to be sure that I feel confident during those early drafts he suggests I call him every day around 2 p.m. just to bounce ideas off of him Garrison sir thank you so much And I may say, being with you on stage was one of the absolute highlights of my life. And I look forward to working on this novel, Tucked Safe Under Your Wing. Garrison Keillor's most recent book, Living with Limericks, is available at GarrisonKeillor.com. Garrison, thank you so much for coming on our show. Garrison Keillor, everybody. Thank you, Garrison. Coming up, Quarantine Corner, we've got more helpful advice for parents thrust into the role of sixth grade English teacher. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. 
Priceline. The spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that's dismantling new age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis. On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar, and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They dive deep into current events such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I highly recommend you check out Conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the Magaverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism. And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it. I, I do. They're, they're fascinating. And my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven science. Science? And, and if, if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take. Proven yep. science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that. From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> And we're back. Thank you, House Band Dennis Lichtman. Dennis is doing a fantastic job tonight. Oh my gosh, great! Thank you so much, yeah. Dennis. Uh, hey, Adam. Adam. Yes. Adam. Wait, wait, wait. I just, I'm just gonna do this from the high wire. Hold on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Do what from the high wire? I'm just gonna say this next thing to you from. Paula, this the feels incredibly ill-advised. High <laughs> wire. Here we go. Why? Adam. Why? Yes. Adam. Yes. Adam, answer yes. the phone. Fuck. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, it might have been her last wish, so I will answer the phone. Hello? Uh, Adam? Hi. Yes. Hi. It's me, Miss Nancy, Fairbanks Elementary School first grade teacher. Who? Miss Nancy. Miss Nancy? Fairbanks Elementary School first grade teacher. Am I the hundredth caller? You're not. You're caller number 49, as far as I can tell. Um, oh, uh, that's I'm not quite bad. sure who you are and why you're calling, but okay, welcome. I'm, I'm calling because I, I want to win an appliance from Roger Federer's appliance store, from the tennis player. <laughs> Plus, I would love to meet him. Uh, yeah, I don't think you get to meet him. I, I'm afraid the offer on the table is to hang out with me after the game. No, you win. Adam, you don't even know the rules of your own fucking contest. It's, you oh, win. Oh, Miss Nancy. You win. You know, I'm with kids all day. You know what I mean? Now, I know. I've been giving online instruction to my students during the crisis. It's just good to okay. talk to an adult. You know what I mean? Like, I'd like to, I'd like to watch a movie, like an adult movie. like An adult movie? Yeah. I don't, th I don't think we talk about adult movies on this podcast, Nancy. Oh, for Christ's sakes. No, I mean a movie for adults. You know, like the one, the popular one that was out before the crisis. Which uh, one? A portrait of a lady on Parboil. I'd like to see that. Wasn't that? That wasn't was, that... I believe that was Portrait of a Lady on Fire. 
Oh, Jesus. I can't. I can't. I can't cook. Uh, yeah, okay. On fire. Portrait of a yeah. lady on fire. My mistake. I thought I could have okay. sworn it was portrait of a lady on parboil. Maybe it that's was something not. I've seen on the Food Channel or something. I, I guess I guess that would be on the Food Channel, yes. You know, I was talking, Adam, Thelma, and you interrupted. Which right. I am used to because I am a first grade teacher. And I have a student named Russell who won't sit the fuck down. So All I right, am well, used to this. But you are a goddamn grown adult. Yeah, but, you know, it's also my program and not your class, Miss Nancy. You know what? You sound like you're in a fucking shoebox. What are you doing? Where are you? <laughs> shoebox? I'm, I'm, I'm in my home. Oh, is it you live in a shoebox? That's ridiculous, Adam. I Thelma. don't live you're in so a shoebox. You are so funny. I don't live in a shoebox. You no. are so... Adam, you know what? You're an entertainer, what? right? A friend of mine is getting married, and she's going to have, uh, what do they call that party? The A bachelorette party? Yeah, she's going to have a bachelorette party. And I was wondering, would you like to, you know, entertain? Um, uh, what would you want me to do at the bachelorette party? You know, your jokes and stuff. You do jokes, right? And you, you play uh, the music. I listen to the show, Adam. Yeah, I play some music. I guess I, I don't really think I'm the right entertainment for a bachelorette party. Oh, come on. I bet you'd be great. The girls would love you. I, I, well, all right, all right, where are you holding this bachelorette party? I mean, if I can make it, I will, obviously. I, I love my fans. Um, where the are you Hokey holding Lau this? The Hokie Lau and Chicopee. They got scorpion balls. Okay, now, now, Miss Nancy, if, if I'm not mistaken, at, at most Hokie Lau, because I've been there in Chicopee, Massachusetts, type bachelorette parties. The Hokie Lau parties, and Chicopee. Everybody's been there. That doesn't make you special. Everybody's I'm just been there. <laughs> I'm just saying that the entertainment is usually something a little more risque at bachelorette parties i'm just i want to make sure nobody's expecting me to take off my clothes no not on stage you do that backstage and then you walk out we well, see that that's exactly what i was worried about i'm not gonna come strip down for your bachelorette party i, I just don't feel comfortable doing that let me tell you something adam every yeah. third patron at the ukulele chicopee Gets a grass skirt. You could wear a grass skirt. I don't want to wear a skirt. I, I, I want to wear clothes. <laughs> well, this grass skirt is clothes. Look at, well, you know what? I don't want to waste your time right now. So I'll get okay. off the phone. I'll call back later because I cannot, I cannot fucking wait to tell the girls that I talked to Adam Felber and that he is going to perform at Renee's, uh, what do you call it again, bachelorette party? We're going to have scorpion balls. Oh, my God. <laughs> I I do like me a good scorpion ball. Oh, you're going to love it. You're going to love it. The hokey low and chickpea, the hokey low and chickpea. All right, Adam, All right. good talking to you. Sorry Thanks I wasn't the 100th caller. Nah, me too, Miss Nancy. You sound like a lot of fun to hang out with. I am. <laughs> All right. That was uh, Miss Nancy from uh, Massachusetts right there. Uh, Paula, are you recovered from your fall yet? Oh, yeah. No, I, I feel good. You know what I do is I get up and I, you know, I kind of walk around a little and, and I get a lot of ice. I get a lot of ice. You know, you got to ice it. Okay, well, that, that'll help. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, 
let's move on, Paula, because it's time now for our new favorite segment, Quarantine Corner. Wait, Adam. Adam, answer the phone. Really? Yeah, oh, we just answer the phone. The quarantine Corner. All right. Hello? Mr. Adam Felba, might I be the hundredth caller? It is Mr. Herschel Bernardi Jr. Am I the well, hundredth welcome. caller? Well, welcome. You are the 50th caller. We're, well, that is to me, just it's, it's, as it's well. A, it's a relief. We're halfway there. And I know, for me, the end of this contest is almost like an execution. But like a lot of people on death row, I'm almost looking forward to it at this point. <laughs> well, this is the problem. Yes? I, 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 as I am Hoysel Bernardi Jr., Calling in an official capacity as the legal yes. representative of Ms. Winnie Rose Feynman. Yes. I am hereby authorized to inform you that due to an act of nature, because President Trump tried to bury science like a corpse in his backyard, <laughs> uh -huh. the contractual conditions of your performance of love letters at the Herschel Bernardi Community Theater in Huntington, New York, have been revised. Yay! Revoked! No, revised, Mr. Felber. Revised. 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 Yes, although, although the performance has been postponed to a date yet to be determined, it has not been canceled. Mr. Bernardi. Junior. I don't know a Mr. lot of... Mr. Herschel Bernardi Jr. Mr. Herschel Bernardi Jr. I don't know a lot about law, but I know... No, you don't. Mr. Adam Thelma, although yes. the performance has been postponed to a date yet to be determined, it has not, I repeat, not been canceled. So, Mr. Thelma, okay. off the yes. record, I would recommend to you that you get your ass in gear. What do you the mean? other condition I am tasked with addressing with you is that, unfortunately, Miss Winnie Feynman has not been able to get the rights to love letters from A.R. Goiny. <laughs> Therefore, Miss Winnie Feynman will soon be sending you through the U.S. Postal Service, <laughs> whose work during yeah. these difficult times as an aside, if I may say, as an American... Yes. I deeply appreciate. But to continue, Miss Winnie Feynman will be sending you her original work, Love Texts, which Love you texts. shall perform with her at the Herschel Bernardi Community Theater at a date to be determined. I hope this quarantine never ends. <laughs> You're very <laughs> negative, Mr. Felber. <laughs> Um, all right. I'm going to step outside and see if I can get myself in touch with that coronavirus. But uh, This concludes my legal responsibilities for today <laughs> for Miss Winnie Feynman. All right. Thank you very much for calling, Mr. Bernardi, Jr. <laughs> Certainly. Great. Now, Paula, can we get to Quarantine Corner? Adam, answer the phone. Answer the phone. Really? No, yeah, but I wanted to get to our segment. Yeah. Oh, answer the phone. Calls. Hello? Adam? Yes? Am I the caller? Uh, no. Who's this? It's, it is I, 
Winnie Rose Freudman. Oh, hi, Winnie. Uh, no, you're caller number 51. Oh. I find it highly coincidental that only moments ago, your lawyer, Herschel Bernardi Jr., called me. He did? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm so glad. Adam, I'm working on my original work for our performance love texts. Okay, you will that's, be Lance. That's... You will be the, the character Lance, and I will be Virginia. Lance Let's and Virginia? Just... Lance and Virginia, that's right. Let's just... <laughs> Let's just try a few lines. Lance, uh, here's a few lines for you. Um, oh, okay. I don't have a copy of the script, Winnie. I'll so, tell you um, your lines. Adam, I'm going to tell you your lines, or Lance. Okay. Lance texts, Virginia, we grew up together, and then we lost touch. I hope we stay in touch now for... The number four, E-A-E. E-A-E? Do you, the letter U, feel the same? L-M-K. Okay, um, Winnie, I, I, I don't have that in front of me. I don't think I can remember it, and I don't want to say it. I'll read it again. No, you Lance, don't have to. Win. Oh. Lance texts, we grew up together, and then we lost touch. I hope we stay in touch now for the number four, E-A-E. Do you... What is E-A-E? Winnie. Forever, always, ever. Oh, ever, always, ever. Okay, I, I didn't know that particular piece of internet slang. Well, when you see the letter U, it means you. Well, that much I knew. I knew that. <laughs> Do you, Winnie, the letter U, feel the same? L-M-K. That's you let know what, me Winnie, know. You read it so well. Why don't you just go ahead and read uh, the next line by the other character? Because I, I can't do that justice. Okay? HFB, Adam. What? Holy fuck balls. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Listen. That's a that's a Is that internet I really, slang? I would really like Yes, it is. I will. I need to be alone right now. Um, okay. Partly partly because of the virus, but also partly because you're breaking my heart. I will call back, both hoping to be the hundredth caller and hoping you will have a better attitude. Oh, all right. That, that sounds fair. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you, Winnie. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, Paula. Yeah, Adam. Are, are, oh, my are God. You have, even, I cannot yeah. believe. I think, I think because people are at home. You know, they just, they're really responding to this 100th caller contest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's I mean, got to be what's your, going on. Your phone has been ringing off the hook, for God's sakes. I, I, I am unfortunately aware of that. Paula, are we going to get to Quarantine Corner? Oh, absolutely. Oh, this is my favorite part. So right now, we have Quarantine <laughs> Corner. Uh, okay. Each of us, Adam from his shoebox, Bonnie from her touring Prius with crackle and and snap 
<laughs> and Tony from deep within her snow globe, we are now going to tell you what we remember uh, from sixth grade English. So for those sixth graders that are listening, this should complete your sixth grade English curriculum. Uh, if you can just remember what me and Adam and Captain Crinkle and Tony are about to tell you. I'll begin. Here's what I remember from sixth grade English. A lot is two words. And Jane McKinnon didn't want me in her group. <laughs> Captain Crinkle? She's in her car parked on a cliff. That was her insurance information she just crinkled. Oh, my God. Okay. Mine is uh, about the question mark and the uh, quotation marks. So a question mark, if it applies to the quote, like, do I like spam? It goes inside the quote. And if it's about the quote, didn't his mom say, I like spam? It goes outside the quotation marks. <laughs> I have never seen a, a question mark outside the quotation marks that I can remember, but this is a problem that has vexed me. I it know. Has. It, it has vexed her. I've seen her vexed. Um, this no. is a problem. So if it applies to the quote, Captain Crickle, say... stop. We had, look, you and Paula seem to be unaware of the fact that we had a grammarian on our show a few months ago, talking about exactly this, and she gave us the rules. And what's the rule? I forgot already. We also had a oh, memory good. guy on. None of this helps I'm me. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> no. If it applies to the quote, like, is this my question? It goes inside the parentheses. It goes inside the quotation marks. If it applies to the quote. Parentheses? Like, do I like When did spam? parentheses come up? Forget parentheses. <laughs> I made a mistake. <laughs> if it applies to the quote. No, wait right? a minute. Forget parentheses. That sounds like a romance novel. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, it was a, it was a, it was a ill-fated movie starring Billy Crystal. Yeah. With, I, re I remember oh, the... Yeah. Forget parentheses. Yeah, he um, played an eighth grade math teacher. Okay, this is an easy way to remember it. Captain Crinkle, I have to ask what? you something. Did you look this up or do you remember this from the sixth grade? I remember that I learned it around sixth or seventh grade and then I looked it up to find what it. What the hell? That's the answer. That's the whole God fucking thing. How am I going to remember what I learned in the sixth grade? The same way I did. A lot is two words, and Jane McKinnon didn't want me to group. You have to think back. You cannot keep using the internet. We're not ever going to have it much longer, for God's sakes. All right. You well, remembered that we studied this, and this does vex you, and now I've given you an easy explanation of how to remember it. But that Here's wasn't an what easy I explanation. asked for. An easy explanation is Paula can go back to episode 65 or whatever it is and listen to somebody who actually knows what the fuck she's talking about explaining it as opposed to somebody who's going to mix in parentheses. No, forget that part. That lady just confused me. Who I think confused you're confused. You? I think you're confused because 
you're on the cliff and your car is running and you're breathing carbon monoxide. <laughs> All right, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. What do you do with the bracket and the hyphen? Oh, I know that. Okay, but you know I... what? You have to remember. You th- okay, who was your teacher, Bonnie, for English in the sixth grade? Mr. Romaine. There. <laughs> That's something. That We're getting somewhere. Mr. Romaine. <laughs> Mr. Romaine. Right. Don't you want me to give you the simple? No. No. The no. No. That wasn't. We told the people that we would tell them what we remember from the sixth grade. I feel like an archaeologist. I've dug up a little something in Bonnie's memory. Okay. Mr. Romaine. Now, oh do you remember God. what Mr. Romaine said? I know what he said. I know exactly what he said. What did he you know, say, Mr. Paula? You know what Mr. Romaine said? He said, I fucking what? hate anchovies. <laughs> oh, I see. That was a Caesar salad joke. And you know what? I he think. Said... Uh, no, 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 no. Ro- Bonnie, I think. I think we've reached the end of your segment. Let's move on to Tony. No, we Nita haven't. Hall. No, we haven't. I'm, I'm uncovering oh, for these God memories. Oh, for God's sake, we have. No. Uh, <laughs> Bonnie, do you remember anything that Mr. Romaine said? Okay, I remember. I said, s- do I like spam? Question mark. <laughs> Quotation marks. Spam. I'll bet. Spam no. I- I'll bet you I know something that Mr. Romaine said every day that you were in class. I'll bet you he said, who's making that noise? (laughs) (laughs) He said, stop picking at your uh, blue canvas three-ring binder. Did you used to have a blue canvas three-ring binder? I did, didn't you? No, but let me ask you this. Did you take notes in it? I did. Uh Aha! What was in the notes? (laughs) Uh, Writing with question marks with quotation marks. Paula, Paula, you are yodeling down an empty well right now. Let's move on. (laughs) You know what? There's nothing down there. Adam, Adam, this this is me. This is me, Mrs. Culpepper, and let me tell you something. I'm a hundred and fucking I remember more than she does. <laughs> I know. I know, Mrs. Culpepper. So, Mrs. Culpepper, why don't you introduce your favorite, our next contestant, Tony Anita Hall. Oh, I know we are going to learn so much from my my favorite uh, uh, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, a uh, participant, uh, Tony Anita Hull. What do you remember from your sixth grade English class? I, I, honest, I gotta be honest. I don't remember anything, but. What the fuck, Tony? <laughs> Let her speak. But I just would like to be upfront about it. I'm not trying to mask. Well, all right. Let me just say this. Captain Grinkle, do you hear how Tony is being honest? <laughs> she handled it beautifully. I just want to say it's it's almost heartwarming how four people who are literally dozens of miles apart from each other can participate in the same train wreck. <laughs> oh. 
It's Crinkle, Captain Crinkle. Um, I did. I do remember something from Schoolhouse Rock related to English okay. that I we'll take I it. We'll respect. take it. <laughs> um, Good enough. Inter interjections show excitement or emotion. They're generally set apart from a sentence by an exclamation point or by a comma when a, the feeling's not as strong. <laughs> she's reading that. No, she's no, reciting it. I'm reciting yes, it. I'm reciting no. it. No, I grew I'm, up. I grew up with those the same way. Interjection shows excitement or emotion. Generally, the department sense by an exclamation point uh, or, or by a comma when the feeling's not, not as strong. strong. Yeah, I, I think Bob Duro might have written that one. Those were great. So thank you, Tony Anita Hall. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was. You know, he was always jealous of my vocabulary songs. Bob Duro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's possible. All right, Adam. Adam Felber. What do you remember from sixth grade English? I remember that if you're chosen with a couple of other kids to do a to do a sixth grade English project where your sixth grade English teacher drives you to a location so you can film something on video, it's probably just because he wants to take a trip. <laughs> wow. Because I got to say, me and David Cassow... I'm not sure that the video we wrote and shot with Mr. Atterbury of the airport and in Islip, Long Island, was really a necessary trip. I think he just wanted an excuse to get to get out of school and take us to an airport. <laughs> what what That's assignment? What, I what were you filming? What was the assignment? We wrote a thing about uh, how airports work, and then we went there with his video camera and shot footage at an airport. That sounds on topic. You wrote a thing about how airports work, and so he took you to an airport. Yes, that makes but, sense. Uh, no, but my point is, is that Mr. Atterbury liked me and David, and we were we were uh, you know nice kids, and Clearly, nobody I, else I, got I, nobody else got to go on a trip. I I always thought of teachers as people who who applied projects impartially, but I think Mr. Atterbury was like, oh, you know what? I could use a break in the afternoon. Let me take David and Adam to the airport to finish their project. I don't know. Uh, did you have any other way of getting to the airport? I, I don't. I don't even think that that shooting video footage to go with our report was our idea. <laughs> Adam, let me ask you this. Yes. Had they already invented video footage when you were in the sixth grade? Yeah. No, oh, jeez, you were so much younger than me. I, I'm not that yeah. much younger than you, but I, I think the video no, camera came are. in. The... When I did really? my report. When I did my report in the sixth grade on how airports work, I had to do yeah. it on a cave wall. <laughs> wow. Then I think there is a generational difference that I wasn't aware of. Yeah, well, I everybody, um, I, I hope that really helped everybody. That was Quarantine Corner. <laughs> now, uh, we're here to help you. Now, let us know what There's... class we can help you teach your children, uh, and we will... We will uh, Honor your request to educate your children good. Now, speaking yeah. of Hotel Soap, no, you know Paul, what, you're not, Adam? What? Yes? There's no way in hell that that wasn't helpful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so, Paula, you're not going to be on the road anymore right now. Not right now, Adam. So we get to skip the part that you really hate, which is promoting yourself. Oh, I do. I do right. hate promoting myself. So we're going to skip that part. We're going to skip that part and move on to the, the last well, thing. Well, let me just say show. one thing, which is my store what? is open. 
It's it's not oh. bankrupt. It's right there at paulapoundstone.com. And my Butterfinger single, not my Butterfinger, and the ringtone, thank you, Captain Crinkle, are now available for download on my new website, paulapoundstone.com, which is it's also up. up. As well as the pussy pillows and t-shirts, you can find those there too. You know what? You know what I noticed? What? As soon as my new website got up, the virus broke out. You don't think there's a relationship there, do you? Uh, it's possible. I mean, it's yeah. not inconceivable that your website has a virus. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, yeah. it doesn't. Everybody, feel free to go to newpalapoundstone.com. And I want to say that now that it's open and people are ordering pussy pillows, people are also asking how they could get the optional attachment for the pussy pillows that you don't include, Paula. This is so not true. It's true. A listener has actually asked me, because you include a grommet that you can tie a string to, but you don't include the actual string. And so I kind of scooped you by saying that you could send your Paula Poundstone's pussy pillows to me. I'll tie a string to the grommet and sign it, and you will now have a Felber's Feline fun bag. And um, I am pleased to announce that at least one listener has asked me how to go about doing that. This is absolute marketing magic. Uh, yeah. So, you know what? So you can go to my website, paulapoundstone.com, where you'll find my little shop with a remarkably soft tri-polyblend t-shirt with a self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back. Uh, on and the you back, can yeah. also find the Poundstone Pussy Pillows, which are a cat toy, a homemade cat toy with a cat joke on one side. It's a little pillow with catnip inside. And on the other side, I'm happy to autograph it to your cat. And as Adam says, there is a grommet on it so that you could, you know, tie it to a string and pull it around for your cat. But I, I simply refuse to provide the string. And I'm simply underscoring that there is an aftermarket solution to the lack of a string. There you go. <laughs> we'll be back with more. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone after this. Fun fact, the mammal known as the naked mole rat lives underground and has a nearly identical social structure to that of the ant, although none of the same dance moves. And we're back, and we've uh, kind of reached the end of our show here, so, uh, Paula? Yeah, Adam? Um, yes? Adam, I'm going to do, uh, I'm on the tightrope right now. Tell okay. Me, it's you, you, I'm going to, I'm going to stand right here in the center and just balance while you tell the listeners um, how they can reach us, what our email address Fuck! Ah, damn, okay. Was... Ow. Okay. I'll, I'll just go ah, ahead and do that. Um, son of wow, a Paula. bitch. Now, All right. Okay. Uh, everybody, our email address is nobody listens to Paula Bounce on a gmail.com. Okay. I'm going to try this again. Hold on. I'm going to do it again. Really? Ready? Because yeah, gonna... you have an announcement I... to make now. No, I'm going to make the announcement. That's the thing. Okay. Ready? From up on the tightrope? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Uh, oh, okay. And, okay. okay. And you can find me and Adam on Instagram, Facebook, Steady, and girl. Twitter.
her. You can find my Stakes. remarkably soft tri poly blend tea shirt with easy, a easy, easy. portrait on the left. Fuck! Damn it! Oh my god! I think that's enough promotion anyway. Uh, All right, everybody. That's uh, our show. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Felber. Uh, produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Mixing by Michael Hoagie. Special thanks to tonight's house band, Dennis Lakeman. And thanks to our guest, Garrison Keeler. Thank you, Garrison. Thank you, Garrison. Starburn production by Land Romo. Technical direction by Jessica Gutierrez. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, rated five stars in customer satisfaction, and a trusted partner to hundreds of brands worldwide. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive the lowest prices and expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? You're going to need some ice for that, Paula. Oh, my God. You should see the size of the bruise on my hip. How about it if you just like, learn a language? It, it looks like... It, 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 it's shaped like Europe. Well, that's nice. Yeah. But you could just learn a language from Europe instead. No, I'm learning a language. I'm learning... Oh, fuck! Oh, fuck! <laughs> Starbands Audio, a, podca <clears throat> a podcast network.